um, Charlie's put a link in the chat, which yeah, links it's unhelpful. Through... That isn't it? Well, it it, it is, but it a links video, through to a two-minute uh, video. Den Haag's uh, uh, official page, and there's just a little little video of Alan Pardew in there where he's yeah, sitting in his house oh, yeah. with a football kit on. Yeah, he's probably just having a nice time, not having to manage a football team. Yeah, and doing a lot of wanking, I imagine. Yeah, <laughs> but that's no different to normal. Did you see, I think it was Pornhub who offered a load of jobs. They basically said anyone who's been affected, anyone who works for McDonald's, who's been affected by all the McDonald's being closed, apply here and we'll take you all on as cam girls. Fucking yeah, that, that's not that's not nice, is it really? <laughs> take Just your clothes off. Just report take it. Your if you want no, to do the it, the sex industry is open. The sex industry is very low bar to get into. That's all we're saying, guys. <laughs> Why are aren't you, you in it then? Are you pitching something, Pete? And if you and if you wear your McDonald's uniform, all the better. Donald, you've also got you could definitely be in it. You've got the equipment. What do you mean? You know what I mean. Oh. My microphone and my camera. And your penis. Your yeah. large penis. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Jim. My large penis. <laughs> when it's angry, it's normal sized. <laughs> Is it always angry? <laughs> but luckily it's always angry. Yeah. Marcus, just... is your penis angry? Yeah, it's all right now because I just listened to Pardew's message. He was, How was it? He was, he was saying, "Get a lot." Pardew's of... message sounds like a nineties indie song. <laughs> yeah. He said, "Get a bit of vitamin C down, yeah, and build that immune system." Right. I think it's that's not medical probably slang, slang that's for his pop. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How dare you? How dare you? Oh dear. All right, we all sound, we all sound good to me. Um, I'm ready when anyone else is ready. I'm also tuned to ready, ready. Same. <clears throat> Everybody good? Oh, Charlie, just, just ca- Charlie, just a note to you. If you send the whole audio file, you might want to crop out the bit about Pete's penis. Probably a bit unfair. <laughs> yeah. Every time I look around. <laughs> <laughs> oh. What? <laughs> what was that? Like, Charlie, that's outrageous. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to Ramble On. My name is Marcus C. Speller, of course. And today's Ramble On, I'm joined by producer Charlie. Hello. Hey, you all right? I'm, I'm, I'm very all right, Charlie. We recently, very recently, of course, celebrated, and we did celebrate it, the 24th anniversary of the greatest game in the Premier League's history, or certainly one of the greatest games in the Premier League's history, Liverpool 4, Newcastle United 3. And I wanted to to go over that wonderful game once again. And I know you're a Newcastle United fan, Charlie. So it might be, um, although you were perhaps too young to remember this. We couldn't do this with Pete Donaldson because he'd probably just end up crying because this, of course, was the season that Keegan's new, Keegan's Newcastle, the great <sighs> entertainers, finished second. But this game was absolutely phenomenal. I remember around the time that everyone knew it was a classic, of course, um, it was it, the Premier League was really getting into its groove then. There were big signings, big names in there, and, and so on and so forth. We'll get onto that. But what a match it was, Charlie! You are aware. Uh, you became aware probably of the, the notoriety of this game when you started uh, 
gaining consciousness, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess because um, so the new car, early Newcastle for me as a kid is like two thousand and four, two thousand and five, like Nobby Solano, mm. Gary Speed, sort of Shearer and Bellamy that sort of time, <clears throat> and yeah. then oh, so, you, so you had some good times as a Newcastle oh, yeah. fan. You remember them in Europe and stuff, but, yeah, yeah. but it wasn't quite no. mid nineties Keegan. No, 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 no. I mean, we the only like properly entertaining game I, that will forever stick in my mind is we beat Knack Breda 5-0 in the UEFA Cup group stage. And that was like, it was glorious, yeah. yeah but but now, the, you're uh, now you're talking. Exactly. It's not quite, <laughs> but it isn't quite Keegan-esque. And I guess, I mean, to be fair, listening as a fan and then starting to work with you lads, the, uh, the sort of spectre of Keegan just sort of friendly looming over us all the time. And I guess from and like you know as as you said it goes down in folklore like as the uh, you know it's one of the best games that we'll we'll ever have seen. So that plus Newcastle yeah. plus Keggy, I thought oh, I mean I'm sorted here. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, it's well worth it. But it was quite interesting that the 24th anniversary of the game was just the other day. Of course, in yeah. 2003, this match was awarded the match of the decade by the Premier League. Obviously, in the 90s, the uh, match of the decade. I mean, it is one of the great Premier League games. I mean. This, the scene was set. If if you um, to, to if you remember or jog your memories, ladies and gentlemen, both sides had actually lost. I think they'd lost their previous match. Keegan's Newcastle were slowing down as the finish line was getting ever closer in the Premier League title race. Alex Ferguson's Manchester United had begun to had had sped up, shall we say? Because Newcastle were ten points ahead at Christmas at the top. This we won, but they just won one match in four during March. So we come to early April, and this is the scene. Newcastle are three points behind Manchester United. Manchester United have played 32 games, so not that many games left. But Newcastle, despite being three points behind them, had two games in hand. So still, it was in their hands, Newcastle. Liverpool were third, eight points behind Manchester United, with a game in hand. So they were still in the title race, but... They were well. They were third, and they were obviously a little bit adrift. So they needed to beat Newcastle, but Newcastle also needed to win, really, to to keep up the pace. And of course, it it, it wouldn't uh, it wouldn't happen. But it was such a it was such a massive occasion. It was an evening game. It was uh, there was a lot riding on it, and there were two very very talented sides. I mean, Liverpool, and this is this shows you the sign a sign of the times. Liverpool fielded ten English players. That day, and the and the one non-English player was Jason McAteer, who might you know is as <laughs> good as yeah. yeah. Well, he was born in England, of course. He chose to play for for Ireland. I'm guessing I can't. I'm not sure about his family background, but I'm guessing his his parents um, or maybe grandparents or maybe both were, were Irish. But he chose to play for Ireland, so he is not classified as English, of course, in, in terms of who he represented. But ten English players playing for Liverpool, and Newcastle had seven English starters. Too mad, isn't it? Again, shows you the sign of the times. That, and that's not me uh, bemoaning the sign of the times, by the way. I'm merely pointing out how how different that was then, of course, because, I mean, we think of Liverpool having a few Englishmen now, relatively speaking, although they sometimes start with three, maybe four, you know. So, yeah, yeah, yeah very, very different. I suppose for you, mate, because you were sort of, you know, a little bit, as you said, the more sentient at the time. Um <laughs> this it's this kind of like because obviously as you said like the Premier League kicks in and then over the next few years you get like your that sprinkling of you know continental or sometimes further afield yeah. talent coming over and it starts to sort of internationalize the Premier League 
but that Liverpool team, obviously, it's yeah. it's it's kind of like the two opposites of that because I mean Newcastle, like to me, the players that stick out as like a Newcastle fan who you know wasn't around them but can understand like the history mm. and the kind of the the folklore. All like the fan favourites are like your your Ginola and your mm-hmm. Tino Espriers and stuff like that, <clears throat> who aren't like your tradition. Oh, don't forget Celez. Oh yeah, of course. Don't forget Celez. But they well they did have. Yeah, I think well Newcastle already had a sprinkling of of a foreign flavour as as you say. Although they still did have seven English starters. I was I was surprised actually looking back at that Liverpool side <clears throat> and seeing ten Englishmen and Jason McAteer. Uh, in there I, I was actually quite surprised I mean you did have a little bit of flair you know you had a midfield with John Barnes Jamie Redknapp and Steve McManaman <clears throat> and McManaman obviously went on to play for Real Madrid uh, Jamie Redknapp was a very cultured player <laughs> one can forget that uh, of course uh, and John Barnes uh, was what's the term you say sort of a naturalized Englishman wasn't he um, having Grown up in um, in the Caribbean, so um, so there was there was a bit of flair and a bit of class and quality, as we know. I mean, Barnes moved back into that more midfield role as he as he got a bit older. Um, but the back three: Mark Wright, John Scales, and Neil Ruddock. I mean, that's, talking. that's proper stuff. I mean, John Scales is an interesting player. I don't really remember him that much. I remember Mark Wright being very solid, although. I don't want to do Mark Wright a disservice. Actually, he was okay on the ball for for an English centre-half, especially in those times. But he was a very, very solid player, Mark Wright. I remember him scoring that winner for England against Egypt in 1990. Um, and Neil Ruddock was a bit of a bruiser, as as you'd expect, although he wasn't a bad player. I mean, he played for Liverpool, for crying out loud. Uh, but John Scales is an odd one. I, mm. I can't really remember him at all, even though I'm I'm well aware, of course, he was there. Um, but they, but but Liverpool used to like the, the wing backs, Rob Jones and Jason McAtee, and then you had a front two of of the great Robbie Fowler and Stan Collymore. And Collymore had been signed for eight and a half million in the summer of nineteen ninety five, and he was the biggest. It was the biggest transfer in English football history at the time. He was superb at Nottingham Forest. Before that, I think he was at South End, and he'd come in. And he'd started the well, not his first game. I think he scored a cracker against Sheffield Wednesday. But he was, he he was performing. He he was a bit patchy in a Liverpool shirt, but he did have moments. Mm. But they were a good side. Whereas Newcastle were very much four four two, and with that midfield of Beardsley on the right, Batty and Rob Lee in the centre, and Ginola out on the left, that is a proper kind of your two more sort of solid players in the centre with your boys out wide getting forward and, yeah. and Aspria and Ferdinand up front is absolutely glorious, <laughs> quite frankly. <laughs> but this was the game, because Pavel Cernicek was in goal for Newcastle United, this is the game that we talked about on the Ramble when Keegan says just before they're about to head out of the dressing room onto the pitch for the match, says to Cernicek, why, why can't you be more like Peter Schmeichel and, and win games for us? <laughs> What a confidence booster! It is. Uh, it's for his reaction as well. Like the, I was deflated. Obviously, he said that I couldn't play, and you can see it even on the first goal when uh, Fowler gets his head on it at the back post. He's just like, yeah. he's sort of gone up with <laughs> the conviction of a of a man his size and you know a keeper of decent quality. Yeah. But he also yeah, just yeah, yeah. he gets nothing on the ball and gets nothing anywhere near it, and it's like not a great header like down to the ground and back no. up. And he was like, oh no, Pavel, it's going to be one of those days. And sure enough, it, it was. <laughs> Indeed, it was. Yeah, I think I think Collymore's first goal when it's whipped in. We'll get to that. You see 
Cernacek not being a commanding presence in his in his goal. Whether whether that was because of Keegan's comment, <laughs> we can almost certainly say it was. Um, I'd like to say two great kits on show, though. Oh, yeah. You had a classic Newcastle United shirt with the Newcastle Brown Ale sponsorship, which was so fitting. And then Liverpool's all-red kit with that chunky white V-neck collar. Yeah, that's good. Was quite something. Yeah, I, I did. I did quite enjoy watching uh, that, that that back. But it was, it was a very fast start to the match. Very fast indeed. Two minutes in, as you say, Fowler header from a Collymore cross, and it was one nil. And then ten minutes in, Ferdinand scores, and you saw Asprey's silky skills. Yes, yeah, nice. As he jinks his way into the box, he was so silky, Asprey. I know we think of him now as this gun-toting maniac party boy <laughs> <laughs> and, and he is he yeah, is that he is that still uh, <laughs> yeah. oh man <laughs> if you were if you were in that Newcastle team around those days I'll tell you what you would have seen many every things. Saturday night oh man it would have been a, it would have been an adventure <laughs> let, let's say but Aspria was so silky and so skillful he was the the epitome at the time of of one of those foreign players who comes in and just looks and plays so differently to what we're used to or what we were used to in this country. I and mean, you could still argue that, I suppose. But he was he was so beautiful on the ball. Yeah. He really, really was. Um, and then and then four minutes after that, Ferdinand puts David Ginola in, who's all about the pace and power. Yeah. He powers through. It's, that's his vintage Ginola, this. Oh, he really is. People think of Ginola being a bit of a pretty boy, and I understand that. But actually, he had a lot of power. Mm. He had a lot of pace and power. I remember Michael Cox making an observation with David Ginola that he was a winger who would often he would often receive the ball with his back to the fullback, and almost like sometimes try and spin round him, which is which is quite odd for a for a wide man. A, a wide man would often, especially in a more traditional winger like mm. Ginola, perhaps was at times. You'd think of him collecting the ball, and as he collects the ball, he goes forward. As you know, he's often back to goal. He's abnormally big for a knee for a winger. He's quite a big bloke. Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. He didn't actually score that many goals for Newcastle. I think, if my research, my swift research before we before we start recording, is correct, he only scored about seven goals in seventy five games. But the thing is, the goals were so good, you remember them. Oh yeah, that one in Europe where he flicked it over and smashed in the one against Manchester United. You know, this one, those three sort of leap to mind straight away. Oh, the one against um, Sheffield Wednesday, was it, I think, on the opening or, or, or early on in the season where he sort of cuts in and rifled across, would it have been the great Kevin Pressman with that beautiful Sheffield great Wednesday kick. goalkeeper kit, which I may yeah. have. <laughs> um, so, you, so you remember them, uh, Genoa's goals, but he didn't actually score that many, unlike his time at, at Paris Saint-Germain. Um, but yeah, so 2-1, Newcastle going at half-time, and then in the second half... Rob Lee misses a good chance for 3-1. Yeah. David James saved it quite well. And they're the moments where you look back and think, mm. but then this game was so hectic I was that say, even at 3-1. I suppose for that for that mm. team as well, like you, I would assume that the whole time they're just thinking, oh, we're going to get another chance because their their style is so yeah. just gun-ho and like swashbuckling, you know, attacking oh, play. Goodness, that yeah. You think, oh, we missed well, that, but we we'll Exactly, yeah. I mean, leaving yeah. gaping holes open at the back is one thing, but at least you think, <laughs> oh, we might score, and I we'll score on our next chance, so it'll be fine. I oh, don't worry. You've got Philippe Albert back there with big Steve Howard. Oh, yeah. You know, you'll be fine. <laughs> um, but in, yeah, so, so Rob Lee misses the chance. Then 55 minutes in, McManaman squares to Fowler on the edge of the box, and he, he rifles home the ball. Oh, yeah. For two all, and, and Anfield erupts. And it looks like that Liverpool then are going to go on, but two minutes later, 
um, that man Asprey scores. I mean, Beardsley with a lovely little touch pass. We should say that this this full match is on YouTube, by the way. If anybody wants yeah, to good. watch it, goodness knows, goodness knows we have time <laughs> and we need to watch some football, don't we? Um, but but Beardsley just a lovely little touch to Rob Lee, which completely takes out the whole Liverpool midfield, and then Rob Lee really nicely puts Asprey through. The only thing I would say is I'm not too sure who the defender was. It might have been Mark Wright himself playing everyone on side. But he yeah, puts he's sort of just through. lingering, isn't he? Yeah, and this is where David James starts to get the... I can't remember if it was around then or maybe a year or two later, starts to get the nickname Calamity James because he just comes herring out of his box. Yeah. He's outside the box when Asprey just beautifully touches it round. Um, Dave, the onrushing. I suppose I don't know whether it's because of the angle or because of the sort of mad Satanta sports presentation, but like watching that goal back, <laughs> yeah. you seem to think, oh, he's got loads of time then, and then James just appears like in the corner of shot, yeah. just like like a flash, and you think, what? Oh, that's David James. What on earth is he doing there? And then yeah, before you know, it, it's, it, it, yeah. it's it's mad. Yeah. It's a mad how a man that big and that sort of yeah, I'm just going to stay put and sh- stop shots has ended up that far out of his box. <laughs> <laughs> it's so. Good. I mean, you can't. He certainly commits, oh, yeah. doesn't he, David James? You know, they, they always say the goal, the worst thing a goalkeeper can do is is not make a decision, and you kind of end up in in no man's land, as they used to call it, the commentators. Uh, and so David James, yeah, he uh, he certainly committed, but it made Asprey's mind up for him. He yeah. just curled it round quite brilliantly. It really is. Um, um, but so that was that was three two Newcastle, and, and you thought to yourself, okay, they'll will they try and you know, shut up shop and see this <laughs> no, out. Well, of course, it's Kevin Keegan's Newcastle. That's not, it's not an option. And then, and then 11 minutes later, McAteer is out wide, a very enticing cross. And this is where Cernacek's confidence seems like. Yeah, it does. He comes for the ball. And again, and this is what I mean. If he's coming for that ball, he's got to get it. He has yeah. to get the ball or, or stay on your line. And he goes for it. He doesn't, doesn't quite get it. Yeah, it's a good cross for McAteer. I don't want to be too harsh, harsh on Cernacek. And Collymore's there and just kind of taps into the open net. Yeah, but and that was that was a you know a real a real bugger for Newcastle yeah. when that went in. But Ferdinand has a chance, which David James smothers well a bit later on in the game. And again, just there's that chance and so on and so forth. But how long ago this game is? It really struck home. If, if it wasn't for the if it wasn't the ten English starters for Liverpool, it's Ian Rush came on for the last five minutes. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Ian Rush. I always think because. I, I can just remember Ian Rush playing, but I always think of Ian Rush in the 80s. So it's odd for me to think of him in 1996 coming on for Liverpool in a Premier League game. Yeah. Madness. It's mad as well because, you yeah, coming off the bench on the other side, you got Darren Peacock coming on to try and shore it up. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, that that makes sort of some logical sense. Keegan brings him on in the 82nd minute when it's been 3 yeah. all and an absolute fucking calamity... <laughs> chaotic affair <laughs> you know Collibor's got Collibor scored like nearly 25 minutes ago and he's like oh I should probably yeah. put on a defender now just try to show it up and you're like Kevin <laughs> oh dear <laughs> it's well, pack, pack the box yeah well my goodness the box was packed oh, yeah. in injury time when when Ian Rush and John Barnes play a series of sort of one twos from the final third into the Newcastle box yeah and then the and then obviously all the defenders have just packed they've just packed out the box and thought right get in front of Barnes and Rush but they leave Stan Collymore unmarked on the far side and Barnes really good um, vision of course picks him out 
Colin Moore's all alone on that that sort of what would it be the left hand side and just thumps the ball home past poor old Pavel Cernicek in goal, and 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 that's it. It's 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 all over. And and that image of Kevin yeah, Keegan slumped that, over the advertising hoardings. Oh my goodness, it's it's heartbreaking for old for old Keggy. And and that was it, really. And, and I think it's funny. David Ginola said years later that if Newcastle had held on for the four three, he believed they would go on to win the league. Now, of course, it's all very fanciful saying that Newcastle had a terrible time in March. As I say, they'd lost, I think, three out of four games, and Manchester United were top of the league. But of course, had had Newcastle have won that game, or maybe not lost it, they would have still had that game in hand, and. I don't know. Maybe that maybe that did destroy the confidence. The manner of the defeat. Yeah, as I think well. it's the manner of the defeat um, is so is so uh, it's just so crushing. Yeah. Isn't it? but as you see, when you see Keegan slumped over the advertising hoardings, that's not the that's not the stance of a man who thinks, "All right, lads, unlucky, but it's still in our hands. We can still go on and win this." That's a man who thinks, "Ah, oh, that is that's a dagger to the heart," you know, mm. which which of course it was. Um, Roy Evans said after the match, to be fair, it was kamikaze defending. Managers would be dead within six months if every game was like that. (laughs) Tell it as it is, Roy. Tell it as it is. And then, of course, at the end of April, the same month, 1996, Keegan did his, I'll love it if we beat them outburst, which was when the the league had well and truly gone, really, from, from Newcastle. Maybe not mathematically, but emotionally, if you like. And, of course, Manchester United finished four points above Newcastle in the end and four points that's that's the thing for me like I can understand it you know mm. it's the gap at what a January when Newcastle are, are kind of roaring is 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 big but then mm. to slip to level like that's not great either and then because they lost against Blackburn after this didn't I think if I remember that's right yeah. so you kind of think oh it's all the wheels have properly come off now but to still lose mm. lose by four points like to to give up that big a differential yeah. is 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 it's not even like oh they stuttered and you know a couple of ga- couple of games ultimately did it for them. They, yeah, yeah, that's, that's a lot of points to give up. It was, yeah. I mean, they 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 dropped two points on the final day. I think it was a home to Spurs, maybe, and Manchester United beat Middlesbrough away three nil. So you know, I mean, you you think about that result, and probably should have been just two points. They lost it, but it doesn't matter if you lose it by two or four. You know, you're still second and not first. But appa- apparently, I researching this. Apparently, set Blatter praised Keegan for his team's attacking philosophy. Really? And personally, this is this is so 90s, and personally sent him a faxed letter commending <laughs> the positive attitude that Keegan brings to the game. I think that's better than a Premier League winner's medal, quite frankly. A faxed letter from Seth Blatter. I don't know if Seth was in charge of FIFA at the time, actually, if it was still Joao Avalanche, as they would call him in Brazil. But, but Seth was certainly a bigwig um, at the time. I mean, that, course, that's that's yeah, that's that's no victory in itself, but it's something for Kevin to hold on to. He's got that framed above his yeah. study, and the frame probably falls off the wall all the time. <laughs> <laughs> and then, of course, nearly a year later, it was another four-three at Anfield, wasn't it? Yeah. Which was, See, um, I don't remember this game like much, really. I guess because this one stick the ninety-six game sticks in the mind, and it's kind of the. The title race folklore thing, but uh, yeah, I, I, yeah. when you said, oh yeah, they, you know, they, there's a four three, the same like same fixture a year later, then, mm. which is mad. Yeah, it was in. Well, it was mad. Yeah, I mean, now uh, Liverpool got a couple more foreigners in there. Bjornaby and Kvarma, um were at the back with with Mark Wright, Dominic Matteo, and Patrick Berger were in the nice. midfield, and but you still had Redknapp, Barnes, McAteer, 
McManaman and Fowler. And then for Newcastle, they had Shaka Hislop in goal with Barton, Elliott and Peacock joining Albert and Watson at the back. Batty, Lee Clark was in there, Keith Gillespie, Aspria and Beardsley up front. Les Ferdinand was on the bench, he was injured. He came on, but I think he went off after about 10 minutes. But at halftime, Dalgleish, who was in charge then, because Keegan... Oh, yeah, we forgot to say that at the end of the season when they finished second to Manchester United, Keegan handed in his letter of resignation, but it was rejected. I know, that is that is, oh, that is just so Keegan. <laughs> <laughs> but, he, but he did resign in January of uh, 1997, and then Kenny Dalgleish took over. Um, and this 4-3, it wasn't... It wasn't this the spectacle of the first one of course but it it ended up being a good game I suppose you would say I mean McManaman, Berger and Fowler scored first half goals and Liverpool just brushed them aside and then in the second half Gillespie scored on 71 a fortuitous one David James should have done a little bit better and then Ginola puts in a beautiful pass into Aspria and, it, and, and it's quite reminiscent James comes herring out again with Aspria <sighs> With the ball bouncing and Aspria knocks it over him quite brilliantly and 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 three two and you thought because when it was three nil, I remember watching the match and everyone thinking before the game, oh, we're going to have another classic or something like that. And then of course Liverpool kind of brushed them aside in the first half and you think, oh well, that that puts that to bed. Then at three one, then at, even at three two, you thought, oh, they've got a bit of a consolation there. And then a minute later. They go up the other end of the pitch and and there's a bit of a tangle and Warren Barton of all people. It sort Great, of nips yeah. in and, and touches the ball in. <laughs> yeah, indeed. And and equalises for 3-3. Three, three. And you think, bloody hell, that's incredible. Like, what an end to the game. And then it goes, <coughs> you know, two or three minutes later, ball swung in and Fowler with lovely strikers movement and heads in the winner. And you think, my goodness, I can't believe... I can't believe we've got another 4-3 just because what are the chances of that? But especially at half-time, you thought, there's no way this is going to end 4-3. And of course it did. And that season... One can forget, because I did, Newcastle finished second again. Now, they finished on the same points as Arsenal and Liverpool. Arsenal were third, Liverpool fourth. Newcastle finished second on 68 points. Manchester United won the league with 75, which I don't know if it is the lowest points tally of a Premier League winner, but it's certainly one of the lowest points tallies. But Newcastle finished second score that year. I mean, I don't that think... year as well. Then I suppose you had Keggy for the first half. Yeah, I think they, I think they did. Which you know right, seems mad right, is that right. that they have that reputation. I guess because they're going for the title, playing that sort of style. Whereas this, this the season after, as you say, and they're kind of yeah. they're knocking around, but they're never like you know they're never the front runners. But yeah, I think mm. they scored more, which is mad. Well, I don't know if Dalglish got a fax from Sep as well, <laughs> um, but he certainly certainly deserves one if that was the case. But yeah, I don't think Newcastle were ever were ever on for the league no. really. Certainly not in the sort of second half of the season, despite them finishing second. And I mean, seven points is fairly comprehensive, of course. But it was that previous season when they were magnificent. But yeah, no, I, it, it's it's. Um, I mean, I appreciate this sounds a bit like a greatest games uh, podcast, but my goodness, you know, when we saw the anniversary of that game, and I was uh, thinking about old football to watch and reminisce on and so on, this game's right up there. Oh, yeah, yeah. really. The, the, the second one was great as well, but the first one was 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 better because it was more end, but you know, back and forth and so on, and of course, what it meant in the title race. But ah, oh, one of the one of the greatest games in in the history of the Premier League, without a shadow of a doubt, Charles. Oh yeah, mad and brilliant and just it's just Kevin Keegan in it really as well. It's that added spice because <laughs> it is an and the it is an amazing game, like great moments. Yeah. The the 
sort of fre- frenetic pace is obscene to watch even now mm. and but it is for me it's just Keegan slumped over the advertising hoarding and the kind of the wider yeah. context of it is just it it elevates it that next level it's sort of like you know like the city QPR game is another example which uh Flo did on the greatest games whatever a few yeah. weeks ago and um because of the context it elevates it to another level and I think this has the exact same appeal yeah I think uh, this was we see QPR Manchester City wasn't a particularly brilliant game. It had a great end. And as you say, the context where this game, it was a brilliant game. The con- the context adds to it and the um, the ripple effect in the, in the title race. It- it's got everything. Absolutely everything. We're still fighting for this title and he's got to go to Middlesbrough and get something. And, and I'll tell you, honestly, I will love it if we beat them. Love it. This was a Stakhanov production.